following message is from the North Shore Christian Center MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Center is available at www.nscc.org.au. Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bibles, would you open to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. I have got an incredible word for you this morning. The name of the message is Overcoming Giants That Stand in Your Way. Have you ever been blocked by an obstacle that seems insurmountable? Maybe today you're facing a trial, you're facing a giant, a mountain, an obstacle, a hindering spirit. You're facing something that's blocking your progress. I, I really believe that one of the things that God wants for us is to be free to run into His destiny. How many of you think that that's God's purpose for your life? Just to be free and achieving God's destiny for your life. But what I find is this is so many people are blocked. So many people are snookered. They're cornered. They're euchred. There's something stopping them from coming into the plan and purpose and destiny in their lives. And and this morning, what I want to do is share with you the devices that Satan and giants use to stop you from coming into your destiny and also give you some secrets to break loose to come into God's purpose for your life. How many of you want to know that? Okay, so let's start with this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. This is what it says. It says, Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now what I want to do this morning is turn that scripture inside out and around and backwards and frontwards and try to open it up for you so that you understand it. Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, what this scripture is saying is this, that if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, he will and can take advantage of us. And I really believe that if we are not ignorant of his devices, then he cannot take advantage of us. And that's what Paul was saying. Come on, church, don't be ignorant of his devices Because if you're not ignorant of his devices, he can't take advantage of you. But if you are ignorant of his devices, then he will take advantage of you. And the advantage that he will take of you is that he will block you and stop you from moving forward. He will block you and stop you from God's best for your life. Oh, God's got a best plan, a best purpose, a best will for your life. You know, I I just really believe that God wants you to be filled with peace and joy. Everybody say peace. What a wonderful thing to be filled with peace. What a wonderful thing to be filled with joy. What a wonderful thing to be filled with love. And wherever I go around the world, I find people that are not in peace. They're in anxiety. They're not in joy. They're in worry. And there's nothing more beautiful. How many of you looked at Rachel's face this morning as she was worship leading and thought, that what you see on her is what we all should be, just free and full of joy, and full of peace and full of happiness and just worshiping God unashamedly. That's the way we all ought to be. 
That's it. Great role model up here this morning to see. But you know what? So many people are just blocked. So many people are just snared. So many people are just locked up on the inside and not free to just express themselves with abandonment because they know God is on their side and God is for them. So this morning, let me share with you three devices that Satan loves to use against us. When I use the word Satan, for some people it's pretty scary. I also use the word giants or hindering spirits or blockages or whatever you want to use that are metaphors to express to you something that wants to stop you. But let me just say, behind it all is God's arch enemy, Satan, that wants to stop you from moving forward. Now, the illustration that I want to use to, to base this teaching on is Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 is a, a powerful scripture because Numbers 13 tells us The children of Israel had a purpose and a destiny in their life, and that was to come into the promised land. It's a beautiful picture for us that God wants His children to come into the promises of God, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is symbolism to a land that is just full of prosperity and blessing and wealth and riches and all the goodness of God. And so what happens is this, is that, you know the story that 12 spies were sent out to spy, the, spy out the land. 12 spies were sent out to see if this truly was going to be the great land that God wanted to give the people. And when they went to see the land, in other words, they went to check it out. They went to see what God had for them. What did they see in the land? Who can tell me? Well, what's interesting is that they actually saw how wonderful the land was. They actually saw fruit that was so big. Get hold of this. One cluster of grapes, so big, two men had to carry the cluster of grapes. Now, my conclusion on that was that it was either a very, very, very big cluster of grapes or two very, very weak men. That's my conclusion. (laughs) But the Bible tells us that the spies that went out were the best. They were the strongest in their tribe. So I reckon it must have been a cluster of grapes so, so big, which was a picture of all the goodness. And they said, wow, this is an absolutely awesome land. We see it. It's awesome. It's fantastic. But there's a big problem. There's giants in the land. And so here it is, chapter 13, verse 30. Let, Let me read from verses 30 to 33. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up and once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we've gone out as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Haven't you heard people moaning and whinging like that? How many of you love that moaning and whinging attitude? It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. 
There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. How many can hear the moaning in that scripture? The whinging and the moaning. And so what they did not understand that I'm going to share with you this morning are the three devices that giants use to stop us from moving forward. The first device is frustration. Everybody say frustration. What a giant wants to do is to block your progress. So you get frustrated even before you start. You stop in your tracks and you just give up because you just can't break through. And so, and so this is what they do. They block you. And you try to go around from another area and they block you. And the whole purpose is to frustrate you. For what reason? So you can give up. How many of you know that frustration causes discouragement? And, I, and wherever I go around the world, I see discouraged people. I see frustrated people. They come up against a wall. They come up against a giant. They come up against a blockage. They know where they need to be. They know where they want to go. But something is in their way. And they just can't get around it. They just can't find a way around it. That thing's in their way. And the purpose of that thing, the device of that thing, is to frustrate you. It's to frustrate you. To discourage you. To make you quit. And that's what happened to these people. We are not able to go against the people for they're too big. We're not able. And so they gave up even before they gave it a go. What's frustrating you today? Maybe one of the things that you need to do when you get home today is to write down all the things that are frustrating you. What are, what are the things that are creating stress and discouragement in your life? Because those very things, I believe, are giants sent from the enemy to block you from attaining your purpose and destiny, to block you from your joy, to block you from your promises, to block you from the promised land, to block you from going into the inheritance that God has got for you. Let me tell you the second device that giants love to use is intimidation. Everybody say intimidation. Here it is in verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, which they spied out. They said, the land which we are going is a land that devours its inhabitants. It eats them up. It gobbles them up. Devours. That looks so good on television. I can just see it. <laughs> Intimidation. How many of you know that the purpose of intimidation is to make you afraid? The purpose of intimidation is to cause you to be so full of fear that you give up. Fear, I want to say to you, is a spirit. And it's a spirit that has one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to intimidate you and to make you feel small. Can you understand this? that so many of us, through fear, don't even attempt to do things. Let me throw this question at you. What would you attempt if you were not afraid of failure? If you knew that you couldn't fail, if you knew that failure was an impossibility, 
what would you attempt? What would you go for? What would you do? Can you see that with so many of us, as soon as an idea comes into our head, the enemy tries to squash it through fear and we don't even give it breath to breathe. We, those, those, those possible visions get squashed right at their conception stage through fear. And it's a device that the enemy uses to block you out from the purposes of God. Fear. Oh, I'm telling you, you know, we, we are just in the process of purchasing a $20 million building. Not, not us as a church. We're part of a movement called Australian Christian Churches. One of my responsibilities is I'm president of the National College for the Australian Christian Churches. And uh, we are moving into a building in Parramatta. But we bought this $20 million building with no money. You say, how do you do that? By faith. What happened is that we've got a property in Chester Hill that we are selling, but we don't have the money for it yet. So the, the, the building doesn't get sold in Chester Hill until the 29th of July, but we can't sort of wait until the 29th of July to buy another building because as a college, we'd lose our accreditation if we didn't have a building to move into. And so we had to work this thing out of, how do we buy the next building without the money from this building? And I want to say to you that if I just gave this thing room, it would kill me. If I gave it room, the fear of failure would destroy us. And so we've just been saying, no, if God is for us, we can do this. We can buy a $20 million building with no money. We can do it by God's grace. We can do it with God's grace. And you know what? We're doing it. Glory to God. And we've already got papers signed. And so if I get arrested one day and be thrown into jail, which ain't going to happen. But how many of you know that that fear of failure can so grip your heart that you never do anything phenomenal for God? Because fear wants to steal your dream before it's given a chance to be birthed. And how many dreams have been stolen right there within the womb of people's hearts? And the enemy just wants to steal the dream and the possibility of you doing something for God through intimidation. And let me tell you the third device of the enemy, that is imagination. Imagination. This is the scripture in verse 33. Then we saw the, the giants there. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Imagination. Can I just say to you, that's one of the devices of the enemy to make you see what he wants you to see as opposed to you seeing what God wants you to see. Friends, how many of you know that your imagination is a gift from God? See, your imagination is the creative part of you. It's the faith part of you. It's the part of you that most reflects God. When God made this world, he used his imagination. He spoke what he saw and it came into being. And anyone that does architecture or does engineering or does anything creative, what they do is that they see it first. They see it in a place in their spirit and they begin to design. They begin to put together the master plan that they already see in their spirit. And then one day, the very thing that they saw is actually 
the reality. But they had to see it before they could build it. Hello? How many of you understand what I'm saying? And in life, your imagination is one of the most powerful tools that either God can use to build you or the enemy can use to destroy you. And what happened in this scripture is that the children of Israel, instead of seeing themselves as mighty in God, instead of seeing themselves as the ones that God has called, saw themselves as little insects. That's how they saw themselves, as little insects. Can I tell you something? That God has an art gallery, and the enemy has an art gallery as well. And that there are spruikers right there outside of the enemy's art gallery saying, please come in to my art show because I want to show you the art that I have for you. But I want to say to you this morning that I'm a spruker from heaven. I'm one of God's messengers sent from heaven to say, stay out of that art gallery and come to God's art gallery because he has designed pictures for you to see of eternity, of future, of destiny, and it's all good. It's all good. Come and see what God has designed for you. Come and see the purposes of God for your life. He's drawn pictures of you. He's drawn wonderful architecture of you. And it's all wonderful and beautiful. Where's your imagination going? Where, what, what are you thinking of yourself? When, when you stop for a second, what do you see? Do you see death and destruction or do you see life and construction? What do you see in your spirit? Do you see what the enemy wants you to see, that you're small and insignificant? Or do you want to see what God wants you to see, that you are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, that God is on your side, that God is for you? Come on, what are you seeing today? What are you seeing today? Because I want to give you a Holy Ghost slap across the side of the head and knock out all of that negative stuff so that you can only see what God has for your life. Can anybody say, come on, bring it on. (laughs) I'm getting excited here. Now, that's the first part of the message. The second part of the message, just protect all the tapes, protect all the videos, because this second part of the message, if there's one part of the message, Satan, giants, hindering spirits don't want you to hear It's this, because I'm going to share with you, I've already shared with you the devices, now I'm going to share with you the secrets they don't want you to know. Are you ready for this? The secrets they don't want you to know. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to put it on television, we're going to put it on the website, we're going to put it all over the world and pray protection on our website because it's been attacked It's been attacked by the enemy that doesn't want this message to go out. We're still praying for our website to come back on. It's still, you know, it's been worked on. But I want to say to you that this morning, I'm going to share with you secrets that will liberate you. Secrets the enemy doesn't want you to know. Secrets that will cause you to be an absolute champion. Are you ready for this? Here's the first secret the enemy doesn't want you to know, but you need to know. What is it? Jesus has already defeated your giant. Come on, whatever you're facing, 
Whatever difficulty is in your way, it has already been defeated. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Come on. For this purpose, Jesus came. Jesus is mighty. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is the champion, and absolutely nothing can stand before him. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, I love this verse. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Come on, get excited about something, not only defeated, but humiliated. The devil and giants and hindering spirits and blockages have not only been defeated, but humiliated. Can I share with you, public spectacle, that word that Paul uses is only once used in the whole New Testament. And the people, the people of Colossus knew what that word meant, but I don't know if we really know. But I'm going to explain it to you what it means. Are you ready for this? When the Romans defeated their enemies, they would make a public spectacle of them. And this was part of this was part of what they did. This is historically correct. And what they would do is that they would parade the enemies. So usually in all the Roman towns, there was a huge avenue. And it had uh, pillars or arches at one end and pillars and arches at the other end. And people would gather on the avenue. And the Roman general who won the battle would be on his horse, high and mighty. He'd be He'd be in his regalia. He would be clothed with armor that would catch the sun and glisten. And behind him would be soldiers. And then right at the end would be other soldiers. And in the middle of this parade would be the defeated enemies. And the defeated enemies would be chained and stripped naked. And so they would then be paraded in their humility through the main street, through the main avenue. And all the people would cheer the general and ridicule the defeated foes. They would cheer the general and say, our general is a champion. And the enemies that tried to put fear in our hearts, look at them now. Look at their state now. The Bible tells us this is exactly what Jesus did to the enemy. He has been stripped. He has been ridiculed. He has been laughed at. And you've got to see that as part of your victory that Jesus, your general, defeated your enemy for his glory. Can anybody say amen to that? Because I really believe the enemy is like a cockroach. How many of you know that when you leave the lights off, and a cockroach scampers across the floor, you think that cockroach is 15 foot tall until you put the light on. And then you say, is is this the thing that made me afraid? Is this the thing that caused me to jump? 
Because I want to say to you that this morning, the Word of God is a light to you. The Word of God is putting a light into your situation, and it is showing you that your giant, your obstacle, your hindrance, your mountain is but a little cockroach. It's already been defeated. It's already been humiliated. Jesus has been the champion and is the champion. The second sequence that giants don't want you to know, but I'm going to tell you this morning, is this. All Christians have power over giants. All Christians have power over the enemy. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on, you've got to understand that it's not just the pastor. It's not just the pastor that has authority over the enemy. It's you. You as a Christian. You as a Christian. You have power over the enemy. You've got to understand that not only has Jesus defeated the enemy, but he's given that authority to you. Glory to God. And because he's given it to you, then you can stand tall. You can fight that thing. Why? Because you have behind you the backup of heaven. How many of you know this? Authority means this. That when you stand, let me give you an illustration. How many of you know that police have got authority? Police have got authority and they have authority to stop traffic. How many of you have ever been stopped by a policeman? You have? That probably is because you were speeding. But never mind. God will forgive you for that. And uh, <laughs> he got you right in there. And uh, I'll never forget this, uh, this, this one time I was driving to Victoria with my family in the car. And this is my mum and dad. This is before I was married. And I was 18, 19 at the time and speeding. This is, I'm father, I'm... I'm I'm asking your forgiveness here, but I've got to confess it. So I was speeding, and I'll never forget, just on the Hume Highway leading into Melbourne, this police, this policewoman, not even a policeman, this policewoman. Exactly, that's exactly what I thought. She, she jumps in front of the car. I'm doing well over 100 kilometers an hour. She jumps onto the road and she points her bony little finger at me and goes like this. And I tell you, I just broke out into a cold sweat. Immediately, that woman put fear into my heart. And, and I immediately put the brakes on and, and, and pulled over. And I thought, that woman really did it to me. She caused me to stop. And let me tell you something here. She was little. She was skinny. There was absolutely no way in the world that she could have stopped that car in her own strength. Huh? There is absolutely no, no way in the world, man. I could have gone straight over the top, but no. <laughs> didn't go straight over the top. Why, why didn't I go straight over the top? Because I knew that it wasn't just this skinny little policewoman with a bony finger that was standing on the road. It was the whole law of Australia. It was all of every single burly policeman, police officer, jail, bars, the whole nine yards, mean-looking judges, that the whole lot of them were in that little lady with a bony finger. 
And it scared the whatever out of me so much that I stopped immediately. And now, now that is called authority. And when I saw that policewoman, I did not see a woman. I saw the law of Australia. Do you hear what I'm saying? And this is what you need to understand. That when the enemy sees you in your authority, he doesn't see just little skinny old you. He sees the power of heaven that stands behind you. He sees Jesus the one who stomped on his head. He sees the power that's behind you, that is in you and has to obey. But you know what? If that policeman got up there and she went, I would have gone straight past. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. Oh, she, you know, I would have had blue lights flashing behind me. No, I didn't see anything. I, I, sorry, I didn't see a thing. But when she stood there with authority and pointed a finger at me and went, Phew, there was just so much authority in that. And I really believe that if we just stand before the enemy and go, he would just walk straight over the top of you. But when you stand in the might and say, I represent the power of heaven. My Bible tells me that I've been given authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all Big A, double L, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. When you stand in that authority, let me tell you that demons begin to tremble. Demons begin to shake. That's the authority you have, and that's the authority the enemy does not want you to know. But I'm telling you this morning, the third secret, are you ready for the third? Are you enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying it? I tell you, the third secret is this. That the enemy's biggest fear, okay, get hold of this. The enemy's biggest fear, number three, is that you will discover the truth. That's the enemy's biggest fear. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You actually can die at a lack of knowledge. You can have it all around you, but not know that it's there. How many of you love Bear Grylls? Do you love Bear Grylls? The guy is an absolute legend. He is what every man wants to be. Huh? Is that true? Huh? I would love, I would love to gross people out by eating live insects. Oh, man. It's just trying to get them down. That's a difficulty. They sort of grab hold of the edges on the way down. But... The point with Bear Grylls that I love is, is, is the knowledge base that he has. He can go into a desert and survive. I'd go in a desert and die. He can go into Antarctica and survive. I would go there and die. What's the difference? The difference is he's got knowledge that I don't have. He's got amazing knowledge. I would love the knowledge that he had on survival. I would love to know... Eat that food and you live. Eat that food and you die. I'd always be eating the wrong food, I guarantee it. But the, the point that I'm making is this, is that he is able to survive because of the knowledge that he has. And the Bible says that we are destroyed because of our lack of knowledge. And I really believe that the enemy takes advantage over us 
because we don't know the Word of God. We don't know the truth in God's Word. And there are millions and millions of people on this planet that are dying right now because they do not know the truth that's in this Word. They do not know that whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. They do not know that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And church, we need to get the Word into us. We need to get the truth into us. If we want to defeat the enemy, we need to know the truth because the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Here it is. Three truths that I want to give you this morning. Number one, we have God's power within us. I've already spoken about that, but we need to understand that we are full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. And, uh, and when you are full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, you need to take that power with you. The second truth that the enemy does not want you to discover is that we have power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I'll say it again. Why don't you say it again? <laughs> I just love using the name of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, I, I can be walking around and I go, I love you, Jesus. I remember the other day, Anne and I were in the supermarket. And, uh, and I just, just said, I love you. I got so excited about it that the thing that sounded the loudest was Jesus. And this lady turns around thinking I'm taking the name of the Lord in vain. And <laughs> but, uh, but I really believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. Does anybody else believe that? Does anybody else believe? That the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is incredible power, to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, you will be saved. That word saved is the word sozo in the Greek, which means to be delivered. It means to be put together. It means that which was broken can be put together. Just imagine, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be put together. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be set free. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be listened to and help be given to them. Come on, folks. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord. I make it my second nature. If ever I'm in danger, I say, Jesus, help me. I call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible also says, that, you know, it's the name of the Lord, the blood of Jesus. The same thing. It's, this, it's, it's all to do with, with Jesus. We, you know, old-time Pentecostals like me, we, we used to say a lot, the blood of Jesus, and cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus. How many of you remember the days where the blood of Jesus was, was called upon? And, and it's from the Scripture in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where we actually defeat the enemy. Chapter, I, I must have given you the wrong Scripture, sorry. Where it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation chapter I think it, I thought it was 12:11, but obviously it's not. Yeah, it's Revelation 12:11. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. You say why? Why the blood of Jesus? It sounds so gory. Well, it represents the life of Jesus. It represents everything there is about Jesus. And I really believe that one of the things that you need to do is just call upon the name of Jesus. And the other thing is this. 
and I want to finish with this. The only power that the enemy has, and this is a secret he does not want you to know, but I'm going to share it with you this morning because it's so important for you to know this. The only power that the enemy has is the power that we give him. And you say, how do we give him power? Well, by fear, you give him power. As soon as you become afraid, you're actually going into the enemy's art gallery. And once you start looking at his art for your life and start getting afraid, you actually give him power. You can actually see him getting stronger because you give him power. See, I really believe that fear is a spirit. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I see people bound by the spirit of fear. And when that spirit of fear takes hold of you, all you can see is this. That, that little boy that was afraid of zombies. I, it's almost like a spirit of fear was trying to grab hold of him. And all he could see were these, these dead people after him. Ah, oh, zombies after him. And, you know, it, it might seem humorous, and there is humor in it, but at the end of the day, there's nothing humorous about being bound by a spirit of fear. Because all a spirit of fear will do will cause you to shrink into the background and stop you from moving forward. The, the, the other way that we can give the enemy power in our lives is through the words that we speak. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says, we, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Let me ask you something. What words are you speaking? What words are coming out of your mouth? I love what Psalm chapter 19 verse uh, uh, 14 says. It says, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God. So what I'm speaking, what am I speaking? Am I speaking death, destruction? Am I speaking hopelessness? You know, I've actually gone to my dictionary and I've scrubbed words out. As far as I'm concerned, I'm never going to speak those words. Because I know that those words have power. And so I'm not going to speak words of death and destruction. I'm never going to say words of hate to the people around me that I love. Why would I say that? Why would I, why would I destroy people around me by speaking words of hate into their lives when they're the most precious people in my life? I want to speak words that build people up, that encourage people. How many of you know, you know, sticks and stones won't break my bones, and words may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you know we've all been hurt by words? Absolutely. So I really believe that we can be snared by the words of our mouth. And if we begin to say, oh God, this giant is too big and I'm just a grasshopper in its sight, you are actually snared by the words of your mouth. And those people in Numbers chapter 13, they missed out on the promised land. That whole generation missed out because they were snared by the words of their mouth and by fear. And here's the last point that I want to make. The enemy's power that he has over your life is the power that you give him. The power of fear, the power of words, and the power of giving him a foothold of sin in your life. A foothold of sin. Friends, understand this, that the enemy is looking for accusation to accuse you with. The Bible calls the enemy the accuser of the brethren. How many of you know that? He's the accuser. And so he looks for accusation. He looks for legal cause. And if there is unconfessed, continual, habitual sin in your life, you actually open the door of accusation for the enemy to accuse you before God day and night. 
And you know what? Jesus can't defend you if there's unconfessed sin in your life, if there's a foothold, if there's a place that you give for the devil. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a place. Don't have any sin. Just constantly take a shower every single day. Go and take a spiritual shower and begin to say, Lord, everything that I did that was wrong, I ask forgiveness. I don't want the enemy to have an accusation in my life. I want to live a pure and holy life before you become accountable to someone. Go and confess your sins to one another. Hold yourselves accountable so you don't give the enemy a foothold. And let me say to you that if fear doesn't come into your life, the words that you speak are words of faith and truth. And there is no foothold of sin in your life. The enemy's power has been totally defeated and he doesn't have any room in your life. And those things will come down. I'm telling you, those walls will come down. Those hindering spirits will come down. Those giants will come down. Those mountains will come down. And you'll be able to step over the top of them into your destiny, into your glory, into the place that God wants you to go to. Can anybody say amen to that? Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're so awesome. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Center Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 